Welcome everyone to a special bonus episode of the King of Pro Wrestling podcast. Paul and I are here. We wanted to do something quick, rapid fire, uh, and get it out as soon as possible to talk about the historic day that it has been for Cody Rhodes, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, uh, amongst others, because it looks like as of right now, 4.04 p.m. Central Time, All In is sold out. It looks that way. <laughs> what do you um, think about all that, Paul? Well, first of all, I think it's great for wrestling. Before we even talk about the people involved or, or how they got here, I th- I just think it's great for wrestling in general that a 10,000-seat arena could sell out in less than an hour not be a like backed corporate show or part of a, a bigger brand. Um, I think that talks to how strong the indie scene is. Um you know, and, and let's not kid ourselves. This, a lot of the show was sold on the strength of Bullet Club, uh, with uh, and maybe Kazuchika Okada coming in. Plus, you know, not to sell the the indie guy short, but I mean, these are non. This is going to be, if you think about it, the biggest wrestling show in America, non WWE show in what twenty years? Uh, yeah, since over twenty plus years. Of, yeah, well, since WCW went out of business. I mean, this show they sold more tickets than in, in an hour than a lot of Raw and SmackDowns do. Yeah, now, I mean that's not a fair comparison because the Raw and SmackDown have to do it week in and week out, you know, and it gets so hum. This is this became an event, but still credit to those guys. They took an incredible gamble in doing this, and it and it paid off big time. You look back like, and I was saying to you earlier, like you look at it in hindsight, you, you wish they picked a bigger venue. Yeah, they could have no. known that, but you know, you know, it's it's a strange thing though because one of the things that I'll say to that, I, I think that starting off with this type of explosive sellout so quickly in a venue that seats over 10,000 people. The exact number that Cody was quoted saying uh, in the Chicago Tribune article that came out yesterday was 10,154. So if they moved all 10,154 tickets, you know, within like half hour, 45 minutes, which is what it looks like they did. I think that taking that kind of win right here, right now is better than going into a larger venue and maybe having a slower sort of, you know, trickle in sales, even if you would eventually sell out long term. Like, obviously, if we're looking at doing one event and only one event and that's it and you, you know, and you're able to sell 20,000 tickets over, you know, a couple of months, that's awesome. But having the opportunity to do what they did today, I think it just it raises the bar. And again, it really does reinforce what I was saying at the top of the podcast. This feels historic. And I I think that a lot of what we're going to get in the coming weeks and months uh, leading into it is going to continue that feel. And even some of what we got today in the press conference, say what you will about technical quality and, you know, production issues or what side, um, certainly reinforce that with the announcement of the NWA title match that Cody Rhodes is going to have. Which I loved. I love to. I want to say one thing about that real quick. For anyone who is a podcaster or a reporter or anything that is talking about it being against Nick Aldis, stop. Stop. You're making yourself look bad because that is not what is announced. What was announced is that Cody Rhodes gets an NWA heavyweight championship match. Now, yes, currently Nick Aldis is the champion, but there is no telling if he'll be the champion come September 1st. Oh, so I quite think he will be. Well... That's not like I like. I know exactly what you're saying. Whether you think he he's going to be or not, even Billy Corgan at the press conference said, you know, and and part of it too was the way Corrigan said it, honestly, because yeah. he said our champion Nick Aldis is going to be there. Then he he you know had to say if he survives, but the right. way he initially presented it, I, I I understand. Like if you have a podcast 
or you're reporting on this like it's like you're a journalist or something, you, you got to know the difference. But I can understand how your average person would think Nick Aldis is going to defend the belt against Cody, which pr- probably will happen. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Like he should have just said, whoever our current champion is at that time will appear. He without throwing Aldis's name out first, he should have said. If that happens to still be Nick Aldis, then be it. But he made it sound. But still, I I, I knew as soon as he said it, it was going to piss you off. The, <laughs> react, the reaction that that was going to happen. Sure. And I mean, I don't. I you know, ultimately, I don't care. I think one of the things that I like about that is that. It, you can look at it one of two ways, and I'm going to go negative first, not because it's the way that I'm looking at it, but because I do think that it, this is probably going to be the opinion of some of the snarkier folks out there. But it's such a dream event for Cody in the first place that having the opportunity to hold the belt that literally his father held has got to be huge to him. So there are going to be some people out there that are going to be like, you know, oh yeah, of course Cody's going to get this title shot. Of course he's probably going to win the belt. It's such a vanity project for Cody. Now, on the flip side of that, I would say... Cody's paying for the show. Right, exactly. And in addition to that, I I think that his profile, at the level that we're talking this show is, I I, I mean, he's raised his profile so much over the past just year um, that I, I think... If he were to become the NWA champion, it would raise the profile of that belt and put it on par with any championship in the United States with the exception of any of the, you know, like WWE titles. I I, I believe that. I believe right away that NWA title would be parallel with the ROH championship, parallel with the Impact championship. I mean, above maybe even. So I, I, I think that, you know, the positive of this is he's... He's working on collaborating, which I think is definitely the future of professional wrestling at the, at the independent level, if you will. Which, God, it's hard to even think of this feeling like an independent show. But it really is. It's got that DIY nature, which, I mean, I love and appreciate. And they even touched on during the press conference today. What a, what a cool and a way for the NWA to get involved in this. You know, and if they do go ahead, let's just say for booking's sake, they put the belt on Cody. Maybe they have an agreement where the N- the NWA title can be defended, like not on a full time basis, but could show up on ROH TV. Yeah, so absolutely. It's more exposure on that belt. But like, you're right, the whole way they went about this. But I mean, it's one thing to sell out the uh, ten thousand one hundred twenty four seat arena. It's another right. thing to do it in less than an hour. And we're we're an hour and ten minutes after right now after the tickets went on sale, but they were sold out. It seemed about 15 minutes ago. Now, we don't uh, – the only confirmation we have of that is Matt Jackson did put we did it. Now, PW Insider is tweeted out, all in, sold out, question mark. Um, right. They seem to think all the seats were sold. Their only question was, was there any seats that were hold back, held back for any reason that would put it under the 10,124? But they seem to think that it's it's sold out or it's, it's going to be sold out, however you want to look at it. There's yeah. no seats available to the public. Um, the only thing I'm going to say about this is it's great that it sold out that fast. It's great for the people, like for the, for the Bucks and for Cody. It's great that it shows for wrestling. It just, you're seeing the inevitable things now on Twitter where people that didn't get tickets, tried the whole time and couldn't get tickets. Like there's people that already had hotel rooms booked. They were coming in. I saw the, like the one guy can't get a ticket. So yeah. now, which, now people are going to be stuck with either getting it on the secondary market or not going, which, but you know, like we were talking about before we aired or before we recorded this, I don't care how big the event is. You could have put this in a, you know, whether it's WrestleMania with a hundred thousand seats or it's a seat, an arena with 5,000, 
there's going to be people that buy tickets simply to sell them on the secondary market, and there's going to be people that groups that get large quantities of tickets to sell themselves to scalp. Absolutely, and you know there's what? No way it's, it. I'm so glad you brought that up because one of the things that Dave Meltzer just tweeted um, about five minutes ago uh, in response to someone you know complaining about how resellers had a lot to do with the sellout and you know that they couldn't call it a legit sellout or whatever, uh, and Meltzer responded with every major event these days has the same issues with scalpers. That's how WWE and UFC and concerts sell out so quickly. Same rules for everyone. Ticket brokers perceive as hot. Not everyone sells out events so quickly. Most don't. So you know that's his way of just saying like this is still a sellout and 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 regardless. Regardless of whether or not you perceive it as being a legitimate sellout or not, this is how other places say we sold out. So it's like, you know, to, to, to complain about that aspect of it, I think is just kind of off base because ultimately, like you're saying, you know, every event is going to have that. And especially in a market like Chicago, where, I mean, my God, when, when the Cubs were in the World Series a couple of years ago, you had tickets that were selling for fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. So, I, I mean, it's yeah, just are the you nature to tell of them it. That that's not a real sellout. The World Series didn't really sell out. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, think about it. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it I, is. I mean, I get why people would be mad. Of course. And in full disclosure, it's real easy for us to sit here and talk about it. You know why? Because we're all in. Because we're all in. We have tickets. Yeah. We were able to get tickets. So we're we're okay with that. Um, you know, it's just I get why people would be upset. So do I. I mean, I absolutely I do. And, 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 and I think that, you know, it's it's that weird dichotomy between – the people that, you know, were on the website at like 2.59 p.m. Central Time, you know, hitting refresh, you know, contributing to the crash of the site and the slowdown, getting in the waiting room, having to wait, getting their tickets. And that's the other thing. I talked to a lot of people that did not care where they sat. They just wanted to be there. Yes. So, you know, I, I, I think that that's the other thing to look at is that some people were gunning for specific seats and I think with an event like this, and knowing what we know now, this is totally hindsight. I'm not saying I would have said this, you know, an hour and a half ago. But knowing what we know now, you really just had to go with whatever you could get your hands on and be happy with it. Yeah, um, you had to log on, hit best available, put in the quantity, whatever came up, buy. Yeah. So I, I think that, again, I understand why people would be upset, but I think that some of that some of that anger certainly needs to be redirected at the fact that like, Oh my God, this thing just sold out and I wasn't able to get tickets or, or at the scalpers. Sure. But it's definitely not, you know, on Matt and Nick or Cody or even the Sears center, you know what I mean? They're doing the best that they can. And, and I think that you have to understand the other thing is, is that I heard from some people that were on at 3 PM central time and they got in but the difficulty they had is they couldn't get five seats together, which yeah. tells me that if you think scalpers were able to just go in there wholesale and buy like, you know, 20, 30, 40 tickets at a time, I don't think that was the case at all. Now, sure, there were plenty of places out there that had 10 or 20 guys at a computer buying tickets simultaneously. But if they could only buy two or three tickets at once, that's still not I mean, we're not talking a huge percentage of seats. So. Again, I understand the frustration and the anger, and like you said, we're sitting here as two people that have tickets, so I'm, I'm certainly not trying to say that I don't empathize or sympathize with those people that got frustrated by the system, because I know how frustrating that can be, but you know, it's one of those things where, at the end of the day, it's it's good for the business, you know, it's good for the event, so yeah. let's try to turn it into a positive as much as we can, Um 
And the other thing is, let's face it, if scalpers are selling tickets for 10 times face value right now, that doesn't mean that they're going to be selling for 10 times face value in August. No, so, it, doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't mean they're going to get that. Either. Right. You know, what somebody, whenever you see something being sold online, never look at the ask price. Look at the actual sale prices. Right. People can ask for whatever they want. Wow. Now, that being said, I, I do have StubHub up right now. Yeah. And see a section like, for example, section 116, which I believe is straight across from the ring. Yeah. They're going for $333 a seat. I mean, the was the retail on those was like seventy eight bucks, right? Um, section one sixteen, the other was seventy eight bucks. So, I mean, that just goes to show. I mean, put it this way though: if you if you don't have tickets and you want to get seats, if you're willing to sit high up, you could get some seats like for one hundred and fifty bucks. Now they're up in the upper section, but you know, if you were going to spend seventy eight to get in anyway, right? I mean, well, you know, I to tell you what to do. I'm just trying to make a point here. That it's... <laughs> of course, of course. Well, you know, and the other thing is, is just following up real oh, quick on yeah. some of the scalper stuff and the and the seller. I, I wanted to add a couple of other things that um, that have recently been tweeted. Uh, you know, you, you can't put a negative spin on this. Scalpers are a part of the game, and it's yeah. pretty clear that there are thousands of people that couldn't get tickets. So even if you removed the scalpers, it was still selling out today. And so, I think that's so, an important yeah. point. Section F. Which is ringside, one of the seated sections, row two. Yeah. One thousand seventy five dollars a ticket. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's what people are asking for anyway. Unreal. I mean and the thing get it, but I'm just saying. You know, and here's the thing. I could see there, there could end up being some people that pay that. Uh and and and, and that's fine. You know, I I have um probably not ever paid over face value for ticket. I so for instance, um I was talking about the progress show that's going to be coming to Chicago on August 11th uh, on our Twitter account and, uh, you know, got some play there with a couple of uh, our listeners who were talking about it, the event as well. And uh, it occurred to me afterwards, because I was so excited about the progress event, that I have tickets that same night to the Gaslight Anthem reunion tour concert that's here in the city. And um, they're one of my favorite bands. Well, I went to see their lead singer solo show last month, and while I was there people were talking about the the reunion tour. And I was like, oh, yeah, did you guys get tickets? And a bunch of people were like, no, we couldn't get tickets. They're selling for like 500 bucks on StubHub. I was oblivious to the fact that that happened. But I went on, and I literally went, and I, you know, the minute they went on sale, I bought my two tickets. I spent like 30 bucks per ticket, yeah. and that was that. And so... You know, the thing is, it's like, I, I feel like if if there are events out there that you really want to go for, you, you know, you've got to be prepared to, to, to be there right at the minute that they go on sale. You've got to be prepared for the waits. You, you've got to have faith and not hit that refresh button when they say don't hit the refresh button. You know, you, 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 and again, scalpers are a part of the game and it's unfortunate and it sucks. And the only, you know, salvation we have is that if people don't go out and pay those overinflated prices right away, they're going to drop. They're going to drop yeah, because StubHub, ultimately, what do they want to do? They want to sell these tickets. They don't want to, you know, they're not looking to make that, that, that 1000% profit. They're looking to actually just sell the ticket. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it just came across PW Torch just said, uh, tweeted that they can confirm that all tickets, all tickets for sold out for all, I'm sorry, all tickets for all in sold out in 30 minutes. That's incredible. That's incredible. I mean, and I just want to say, I just want to say, yeah, the Observer just did the same thing. I, I want to say, 
Uh, not that they're listening, but I still want to say it. Congratulations to Matt and Nick Jackson and Cody Rhodes for you know having the tenacity to go after an event like this and the belief in themselves and also, and importantly for our listeners, because this is what we all are, the belief in the fans. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I feel like what this weekend is going to be about so much is us. And they're, you know, they're, they're, they've already admitted they're not doing this to make money. They did it to sell 10,154 tickets, and they did it. And, and, and I think they're going to put on a hell of a show for us. And if you're going to be there the whole weekend, remember there's StarCast, and those tickets are going to go on sale on Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. StarCast is going to be ridiculously incredible. Yeah, uh, and guys, listen, if you're going to All In... Learn a lesson from what just happened with the tickets if you want to go yeah, to StarCast. Because, right? I mean, it's not going to be an unlimited amount of tickets for each day. So if you have your heart set on going on a particular day, be ready to buy the tickets when they go on sale. Yeah. Don't wait. And furthermore, interestingly enough, I don't know if you just saw this, but also uh, talking about scalpers, there are only 141 tickets available on StubHub. Now, there are other scalpers out there. There are other sites out there. But that puts into context that you're talking, you know, you're talking just a little over 1% of the entire house of tickets is on StubHub. So that puts into perspective how many this, tickets this they sold to real scalpers. people. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I mean, you're always going to have a scalper, an issue with scalpers. But this was spurred on by real people that wanted to be part and the, the way that this was made it be, it's an event this is a destination event for wrestling fans the way they added the the podcast uh, the starcast convention with it and and the cm punk appearance at one hour tease i mean the way they're doing this whole weekend this is you know and i hate using the term but they made it out to be like the super bowl of the indies and i said super bowl because i don't want to use another the other analogy but <laughs> you know what i'm trying to say right you know like it's just it's an amazing amazing thing that what they've done too it really it's, it's is. It's crazy. And they kept the tickets uh, pretty affordable. Could you imagine if they charged more? I mean, they did that to sell tickets, but obviously by the demands, they could have sold a lot more tickets. Oh, you know, yeah. Um, I think somebody just asked Melcher about whether or not they should have booked a bigger venue. Yeah. And he, and he says, you, you can't know ahead of time what the, you know, the... The out, like how many tickets you're going to sell. The goal was for the 10,000. Now, you know, going forward, if you want to do it again, you can go to a bigger venue or what have you, but, you know. Right. Well, and he even brought up the United Center. You know, he's like, it's pretty clear now they should have gone for the United Center, but you can't know that at the time. So, I, and I agree with that. I, I, I think that um, it, you just, you can't tell because, okay, so we're a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast mostly. That's what we talk about uh, yes. um, for the bulk of our episodes. So we were talking before we decided to get on the mic here. We were talking about the Cow Palace, which I think is, is, is you know, a perfect example of what he's talking about. If you look at the roster of talent that's going to be there at the Cow Palace that we anticipate will be there. Obviously, nothing's been confirmed yet. Um, it's not that much different. And in some ways, in some people's opinions, maybe better than the roster of talent you're going to have it all in. Oh, if you ask me straight up, in a vacuum, what's probably going to be a show? If, if you put them side by side in a vacuum, I probably would rather go to the Cow Palace show. Mm-hmm. But that's not the world we live in right now. Right. This, is, this has something that's special feel to it because they did it themselves, because it's a new idea, because 
we wanted every, the wrestling community wanted to prove it could be done, and you know they're going to put on a spectacular event because uh, you know, yeah, service to the fans. And and like we said, I don't know what this is going to become. I mean, I I think the fact that the way the tickets sold today, this is not going to be the last event. No, and whether or not this becomes a yearly Super Bowl, the indie kind of event or whatever it is, there's a lot of people that wanted to be in on this from the beginning. You know, like we're going to the first one, and if it's the only one, so be it. But this is uh, this is the first time a show this size that the wrestlers put the show on. Now, here's a question for you: talking about the you know all of those factors and not living in a vacuum, and the potential and likelihood of there being another all-in event. Do you think? And this is a sort of a two-part question. One, how much does it being in Chicago have to do with it? And two, if they do another one, do they change locations? I say part one, I think Chicago plays a huge part in what happened today. I yeah. don't – and it's not because if, – if, I think if you were – and there's no way to know this. I don't think this is going to be 10,000 fans and 9,000 from Chicago. No. I think there's people traveling all over. But it was in a city that supports wrestling. You have it in – an already developed wrestling community, plus the, the additional like one hour tease, they were able to get help right away and everything. Um, so I thought that played a big part. But to the second part of that question, yes, I think you change locations, and I think there's some other places you could go to that I think you're going to have a similar feel. I think you could do it in Philadelphia, for example, and I think it's pretty similar wrestling culture. Especially in a town that that like where ECW was. Now I know that's not the same, but you know what I mean. Like you had a rabbit wrestling community. There's right. a ton of wrestling fans. If you wanted to do New York City, I'm sure if you wanted to do something in Los Angeles, you're going to get a lot of help from the PWG fans out there. And and you know, there's different ways to do it. But I think you stick to the big cities where you know you can do these numbers to establish the event. Because yeah. once the event is established, then it doesn't. It matters less about the location and more about the event itself. So here's so here uh, here's what I if say. That makes as a any counter- sense. That, that totally makes sense, and and I don't completely disagree. But just to offer a counterpoint, I think that if we get another all-in event, and if this becomes in you know in their minds something that they want to do every year, I actually kind of think that you do want to do the next one here in Chicago. And the reason why I, why I will say that is because you don't know, especially if you want to bump up the, the size of the venue, you don't necessarily know if you're going to be able to attract the same way that you can in a city like Chicago for travel, for the, the, you know, the hometown fans, if you will. And I think that this proves that they can sell this in Chicago and I think that to take the leap and to try to go to one of those other venues, although I think that both of the cities that you mentioned, like Philadelphia and Los Angeles, to me would make mo- the most sense out of anywhere else on the face of the United States that they would want to run these shows. I cannot imagine them going anywhere else than those other two cities right now, quite frankly. But I would well, say keeping it in Chicago. And yeah, I live in Chicago, so I'm a little biased. But you're going to be biased. In- let's face the facts. You're going to be biased to Chicago and I'm going to be biased to Philly. Sure. But I don't think, and maybe I'm going to take heat for this, I don't think Chicago's a better wrestling town than Philadelphia. Now, I'm not saying Philadelphia is any better. I think you're talking, and to me, those are the two biggest wrestling towns in America. I mean, New York City's always going to have a huge mm-hmm. amount of fans, but there's so much that goes on there that you're going to have huge, a lot of fans of everything. Yeah. Like, I just, I just think if you were to have it in Philadelphia, you're going to have no problem selling out the Wachovia Center. Or the Wells Fargo Center, or whatever the hell they call it this, these days, you, you know you're gonna you're gonna build it up, 
And I think if you could go to a city like Philadelphia or Los Angeles, it proves you weren't dependent on Chicago. You know what I mean? You could rotate the first day you do it every year. The first three years, you rotate those three cities. Now you've established you not only can you do this, you can take it to different places. And if this whole the whole idea of this was to do it yourself and to take a risk and to show people you can do what they think can't be done, then do the next logical step and move it to another city and prove prove them wrong again. Plus, you're going to have a lot of fans in different parts of the country that would have loved to have gone to this that that can't travel. Afford the travel, I, so I, you, I, you know what I mean. You you're, might not, you might have ten thousand fans, or you might go from a ten thousand seat arena to a nineteen thousand seat arena. But you know how many new fans are you going to accommodate? Right. No, and I get that, and I, I don't. Like I said, I don't entirely disagree with what you said. I just think that to me, the um, the ability to utilize the way that this city is laid out the the you know the travel arrangements in particular to to have a, a spot like to have where they you know they've got the Sears Center for instance with all those hotels if they ended up moving it to the United Center um, you know I would even question how good of an idea that that would be because I think that part of the reason why this is such an easy sell in a lot of ways has to do with location and it let's let's make it clear right now the Sears Center is not in Chicago it's actually in Hoffman Estates which is right outside of Schaumburg which is outside of the city. It is the Chicago area. I don't think it's a lie to say it's in Chicago. It's the Chicago No, no, no. no. I'm not saying it's a lie. No, no, I'm not saying you were, but I'm just saying in general. Right. But so so the the reason why I say that is is that if you go – I think it's harder to find a similar type of venue in Los Angeles with a similar type of setup – that's easy to get to, that you're not going to be stuck, you know, uh, on the 101 or whatever. You're not going to, you know what I mean? Like, I think that as far as travel goes, it's easier than L.A. I, I think that when you get to Philadelphia, you start cutting off a lot of the, you know, West Coast folks who might not necessarily be flying in but are going to drive in uh, or, or, or sort of, you know, Rocky Mountain kind of folks that are going to drive in for Chicago. I, I think that Chicago has a lot of benefits. There's a reason why they picked it for the first one. I do, I, I ultimately... This was just argument for argument's sake, because ultimately, even though I'm here in Chicago and biased towards Chicago, I agree with you. I think they should take it somewhere else. I just don't know and don't even want to take a guess. Right. I don't want to even guess where the next location would be, though, because I I just don't feel like I have the information, you know, to, to make an educated guess on that. Well, I mean, there's so many places. Well, let's just see how the first one goes. You know what I mean? Well, right. Yeah, good point. Good point. You know, and, and I'm looking, as we're talking, I'm just rolling through Twitter under uh, the hashtag all in. There's a nice tweet that was just put out by the Buck's father, Papa Buck. Yeah. It just put history in the making. I'm glad to be a part of it, along with Matt and Nick Jackson. Congrats on all in. It's a great day to be alive. I knew from birth you were both born for greatness. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Nice. Good for them, you know? There's got to be a, I mean, the, the satisfaction they must be feeling to know, not only do they do it, but they do it the, like in this manner. Yeah. But, uh, like, here's a, here's a question. Is, uh, and we were talking about it a little bit. Is there any ruffled feathers with certain people in the land of the rising sun over this? Well, that's, you know, going back to the Cow Palace. Uh, you know, ticket sales have, have been a little slower. Now, they've still... As I like to point out, moved more tickets than they have ever sold before for a New Japan Pro Wrestling show. Um, in fact, I don't have the raw data on this, so I'm going to just say that this is a guess, and I think, not a I know for a fact, I think this is the most tickets that have ever been sold to any New Japan Pro Wrestling related event, including the Ring of Honor shows that they've done, you know, Best uh, uh, War of the Worlds, etc. Uh, so I think that it's still a positive for them. Um, 
I don't know if there are any ruffled feathers, and the reason why I'm going to say that is because you don't give somebody your biggest star, your, your two biggest stars, arguably, and then decide to make it a pissing contest over who sells more tickets. No, no, no. Do you know I what I mean? Think, I don't think it's a pissing contest, but do you think there's some people in New Japan's office saying, man, maybe we shouldn't have, you know what I mean? Maybe. I don't know. And here's a question for you. If you're like, and they alluded to it in the presser today, the press conference. Cody talked about how great Ring of Honor was when they approached them. Yeah. And they let them do it, right? But is there? So if you're running Ring of Honor, do you turn to each other and say, "Why are? We, why can't we do an arena this big? It's almost all our talent." <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Gotta be, and, and not that you're upset. You're great because this is a huge platform for so many of your wrestlers. Right. But you have to turn around and say, a lot of these huge stars on the show are our guys. It's basically, let's face it, it's going to have a Ring of Honor feel to it. It's, it's might as well, I mean, it's the closest thing you're going to get to a Ring of Honor show without being a Ring of Honor show. And it just sold out a 10,000-seat arena in 30 minutes. I think that it absolutely needs to be a wake-up call to Ring of Honor for a number oh, of reasons. They should be sitting there saying, listen, we, we tighten, tighten things up and get smart about it. That could be us. Exactly. And I think some of it has to do with talent, because here's the other thing. You know, it's not necessarily a full Ring of Honor show, obviously. And clearly you've got people like Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada who are, who are part of the draw here, without a doubt. But I think that the other thing, and I say this, you know, full disclosure, as a, as a fan of women's wrestling, you have some of the best women wrestlers in North America on this card. Chelsea Green, Britt Baker, Deanna Parazzo, and of course, Tessa Blanchard. And I think that the way that they've been promoted and the way that, you know, Tessa was even there at the press conference today, I think that they're not the reason why this thing sold out. I'm not even trying to say that. But what I am trying to say is the way that they're being used already blows Ring of Honor's promotion of Women of Honor out of the water. I mean, I'm sorry, Women of Honor and the way that they promote and book Women of Honor and Ring of Honor is almost a joke. And that is not on the women, because the women they have in that division are incredibly talented. But it is booked poorly, it is promoted poorly, and I don't, you know, some of that might be on the Ring of Honor hardcore fans not being interested in women's wrestling, fine, maybe, but... I think that the thing that All In has done is it feels so inclusive that that's one of the things that they've got over Ring of Honor. And, and, and I think that when you bring in Okada and Omega, when you, you know, when you spotlight all of this, and then when you have the promotion that Cody and the Young Bucks have done in general, I, you know, it creates a sense of it being an event, a once-in-a-lifetime sort of thing. And and Ring of Honor, in my opinion, has never created a once-in-a-lifetime sort of event. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I mean, and in, in, in Ring of Honor's defense, they're running shows all year. This has the right. inherent advantage of being a one, well, like so far a one-off special event. Exactly, so always easier to book and to market because you can put all your effort into one show and make everybody want to go to one show as opposed to spreading your product out. Yeah. So I get that. I mean, I don't want, but you know, Ring of Honor should at least be able to run one show a year at this this level. I agree. I you completely know? agree. And I, I mean, think, and don't what? tell me that, and I understand it's not the WWE, but if the WWE can go into Dallas, Texas and put over 100,000 people in an arena, Ring of Honor can go in and put 10. Yes. And, and what I'll, you know, one of the things I'll add to that is I think that Ring of Honor, you know, and this is, is a financial thing as well, but Ring of Honor either needs to beef up their roster um, because some of the people that they have on their roster I don't care about. 
and I don't want to watch. Yeah, I and some of the people that they have on their roster, I really want to watch, but I don't think are being promoted properly. Um, and I don't mean booked properly, because I think a great example is Punishment Martinez. I think Punishment Martinez is one of the, you know, the, somebody tweeted earlier, they were like, you know, here, you've got these three guys, you can build your promotion around, who do you pick? And one of the names was Punishment Martinez, and one of them was like Big Cass, and one of them was... I don't know, it might have been Brian Cage or something, I can't remember. And I, I picked Punishment Martinez. Yeah, yeah. too. So, and the thing is, is what I mean to say is, again, it's not the way he's being booked. It's not his any of his skills or anything like that. But the way he's promoted, you don't get the same sense that they're trying to make him a star in the same way that, you know, that, the, that All In, for instance, has made Cody and the Young Bucks feel like even more of the stars than they already are in a lot of people's eyes. And that's, you know, the promotion aspect of it and getting his face out there, you know, getting the, the awareness raised so that it's not just people who follow Ring of Honor that are aware that this guy exists. I agree. But part of the problem Ring of Honor has, and, and maybe I'm wrong, it's look at the people that they get all the promotion in Ring of Honor, right? Yeah, it's it's almost the same thing that happened years ago with the NWO in a way, not not to the same level, but you made it when you have a group within your promotion that's the super cool over group. It's hard to to promote people outside of that. No, I'm not saying it can't be done, and some people are getting promoted more than others. Right, but you know it, it's it's like the easiest thing to do if you want to promote somebody is throw them in the Bullet Club. Just throw him in the Bullet Club because he's right. going to be all over the place if you do. And it's going to be – but you know what I mean? So um, that's a trick. But there's no reason – like I agree with you. There's, they have some wrestlers. Like that, that's the biggest problem I have with the Ring of Honor card. I like to flip on Ring of Honor when they have a pay-per-view and watch it because a lot of it will tie into some wrestlers from New Japan or just wrestlers I like. The problem is I have to sit through some, uh, sit through some things that I don't care about at all. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely and I agree. You know, like, I, and I don't get that feeling with New Japan. Like when no. I watch a New Japan match, they can have a ten man multi tag match, and I'm at least interested in uh, enough reasons. Like, I have enough reasons to be interested in watching it. Yeah, do, do you know what I mean? Absolutely, and and I get that. You know, the other thing is, let's face it, the Ring of Honor has certainly had some talent end up going elsewhere. Um, you know, some talent might not want to you know sign an exclusive deal, and, and that you know gets difficult. And I understand that they've you know they've certainly had problems with that. But I think they're they're in a position now. And hey, I could eat crow a year from now because, quite frankly, a year from now they might have done all of this stuff, and it might be a part of their plan all along. But let's face it, it's really been within the past couple of years that they've started to you know, get above that level that they were for so long. And so I think that, I think that once that continues to happen, um, that they keep that, if they can keep the forward momentum, that's what I'm trying to say, then I think that a year or so from now, it might be a completely different situation. But as of right now, yeah, I think what we're talking about is, is sort of, it's the facts of the matter when it comes to Ring of Honor and why they're not selling out a 10,000 and, and seat the, And the sad venue. part is, I think North American wrestling fans, are dying for an alternative. Yes. Uh, an alter- a North American alternative. Like, I, I, if you're, I know so many people that like, like WWE, or at least casually or anything, would love for Ring of Honor to step up their game. There was like, there was hopes there, hope there for a while. Remember when TNA ran, when they, the beginning of the, and I don't know how much you watch it, and I didn't watch it a lot, but they, the beginning of the Aces and Eights angle. Yes. When it seemed like, wow, they're, they're doing something really cool. People wanted that to succeed. They wanted that storyline to be great. They wanted something to tune, turn on North American wrestling that's not WWE all the time. 
and nobody's been able to like and nobody's when I say that I'm not tell, saying they're gonna become what WCW was and be like a complete rival to WWE. I, I don't think anybody's gonna be able to pull that off, but just to be a viable alternative, you know that people are dying for it. Yeah. They really are. And, I, I, you know, I think All In is, is proof of that. You know, one of my favorite moments of the press conference today was when Jennifer Decker, uh, at the very beginning, she said, hi, Vince. And then she joked and she's like, I'm just kidding. Vince doesn't know how to use the Internet. And then there was a large, you know, fuck Vince chant. Yeah. And I got to be honest with you. I don't have time for those chants to be completely no, honest, because I, I think I that. Like no, because let's face it. Everybody that was sitting in that room is probably a wrestling fan because of Vince McMahon in one way or another. Well, so. Yeah. You know, I said this to you on the phone, and I'm glad you brought that up. You're going to have a certain amount of people that are going to go to these things or be like that because they want to just be the fuck Vince guys. They want to be the guy, you know, everybody knows a guy that doesn't like any music that's mainstream. They like the bands you never heard of. Right, or right. They never, like, any, like the, all the movies you never, now I'm not saying something that can't, stuff can't be good, but they don't like any Hollywood movie. They don't like, they have to be that guy. And wrestling has those guys as well. They're going to tell you all about this wrestler you never saw and how great he is. And then they're going to shit on a guy like AJ Styles because he wrestles for them. Right. Do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? I know exactly all, what you're trying to say. You know, so, I know exactly what you're trying to say. It's the same, you know, it's the same thing. And I'm where, trying like, to as say in, without using a certain word. Right. Sure. You know, that starts with the letter H. Yeah. But uh, they drive me nuts. Dude, no. like what you want. But, you know, if you're a wrestling fan. You don't have to like everything that WWE does, and you don't even have to watch it. But you're going to sit no. there and tell me they're not, there's not great wrestlers in that company. Maybe they're not used the way you like or, or whatever, but, you know, there's some phenomenal talent. And I use that word on purpose. Oh, my God, yeah. the guys there. And, you know, you could, you, you, they, they accidentally sometimes allow guys to have great matches. <laughs> well, here's and, one of the things. Watch an NXT TakeOver show, if you don't believe me, because that's not an accident, and they're great matches. Exactly. And, 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 you know, that's one of the things I was just getting ready to bring up, too, is the talent that you see in NXT uh, specifically. You know, you're seeing some of that Ring of Honor talent, uh, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, you know, Bobby Fish. In addition to that, you're seeing guys like Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, who, you know, were New Japan guys for, for a while there, too. And, and you're seeing people like Finn Balor, who's Prince Devitt. And, you know, I, I think that for... If you're a fan of professional wrestling, if you just dismiss WWE just because you don't think it's cool, I mean, I, I don't know that I have time for your opinion about much else. Because it's the same people that, you know, uh, that, like I mentioned in the last episode of our podcast where I got into a little bit of a, a message board argument with a guy who was telling me Kenny Omega wasn't all that great and then ended the whole, you know, diatribe five or six messages later by saying, oh, I don't really follow New Japan. And it's like, well, why why should I care about your opinion then? Because you're not even watching where he works. So it doesn't matter what you think about Kenny Omega to me. And, and, and so I think that, you know, again, if you're a fan of professional wrestling, I'm not saying you have to like it because some of the stuff they do is terrible. And and, Listen, and, and we can have pure disagreements. If somebody wants to sit down and tell me they don't they think Kenny Omega is overrated. If they sit down and say, well, yeah, I watch New Japan. I think he's overrated because of this, this and that. He overacts or he does this. I might not agree, but I could say, OK, everybody's exactly. But don't sit yes. there and tell me you don't watch them or watch it and then tell me how awful it is. 
Right. And, and I think that that's the thing is it's like it gets difficult sometimes because in this day and age, so often, you, you know, we can't have a discussion because it becomes a case of I'm right, you're wrong. That makes me better. And, and, and I don't have time for those kind of arguments. You know, if you want to have a discussion or an argument where we can actually talk about points and bring, you know, this is why you don't like something. This is why I do like it. That's fine. That's great. That's what this whole podcast is about is being able to have that dialogue with the fans. And I think furthermore, kind of to bring it back to why we're doing the whole episode today is that's one of the things that makes All In so great is it's an opportunity to create a dialogue about professional wrestling in a way that has not been created. And that's, you know, part of the genius of what they're doing here. Yeah, and obviously people wanted it. Right. You know, as evidenced by the event today. I mean, you know, and and to kind of like put a bow on this, let's say this, but did, what did you think were going to be realistic expectation for ticket sales? I firmly believed that the show would sell out. But I did not. I thought it would take a couple of days. I'm going to be completely honest with you, and uh, this isn't this isn't easy for me to do because it means that I was wrong. Um, <laughs> but I did not know if it would sell out, and I did not even know how many tickets they would move today. I figured they'd probably move three or four thousand. Um, so I am happy, happy. To be completely yeah. and utterly wrong because they sold ten thousand one hundred and fifty four tickets. Uh, my 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 thought process was they'd sell about half today, yeah, so five thousand tickets, and then it'd be a stream up towards the event. You know, I mean, get the. Uh, yeah, I honestly, I, I probably hon- figured it would be a sellout with walk up ticket sales that day. See, okay, yes, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yes, that's kind of what I was thinking. So I, I, so I am, yeah, I'm happy to be completely fucking wrong about that because it's amazing, and uh, I think it's 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 something to be excited about. And if you're a fan of professional wrestling, which if you're listening to this podcast, you have to. Yeah, be. if you're listening to this point and you're not, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, thank you for listening. Seriously, yeah, hey, thank fuck. you. But uh, if you're if you're not a fan of wrestling and you're still listening at this point, send us a tweet what you want to talk about next episode. We'll talk about <laughs> you want to talk about fine art or wine or whatever you want. We'll figure it out. Yeah, that's right. Uh, discussion of Pinot Noir with Sam and Paul. Um, yep. But but it, but in all seriousness, to to kind of wrap things up, like you say, put a bow on it uh, for, for my end. I, I just wanted to say that I think that this is an incredible moment for professional wrestling. I think it really is. Um, a culmination, honestly, uh, in a way of what we've been seeing for the past, you know, five to 10 years uh, with independent wrestling and the way that <laughs> companies like PWG uh, and AAW and, you know, even newer organizations like Nova Pro and, and Beyond Wrestling and you know, all these independent companies throughout the country um, that have created an environment that is not too dissimilar uh, in size, it, it is, yes. But other than that, it's not too dissimilar from the territory system that existed, um, you know, 30-plus years ago. And, and, and that, to me, is amazing because it's given more opportunity to uh, talent to make a living. And we're not just talking about wrestlers either. You've got people that, you know, are, are, are ring announcers or doing the, you know, the announce booth for this stuff, you know, all sorts of things. And, and also a big shout-out to organizations like Shimmer Wrestling because Shimmer's been around um, for over 100 volumes volumes now over 10 years and they've been promoting women's wrestling in a way that that I think um again has helped to build this environment where a show like All In can happen and in closing I'm going to give Paul a chance to talk here but in closing I'll say there is no doubt in my mind that New Japan Pro Wrestling 
has had an effect on all of that as well. Oh, and agree. they have helped to create an environment where this event could sell out, not only by having their talent like Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada there, but also by being an organization that has, you know, put a spotlight on Matt and Nick Jackson and Cody Rhodes for that matter. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, as, as fans, not only of wrestling, but specifically of New Japan Pro Wrestling, we can be proud of the fact that that organization honestly helped to create an environment where this can happen. So oh, I'm so excited. With that. Absolutely. And when I was saying, too, like uh, that people are dying for a North American company to step into that void, I think we haven't gotten it, but we've gotten it with New Japan. I think over the last two or three years, the explosion in New Japan popularity in America gave people the, the idea that you can watch great wrestling and it doesn't have to be WWE. It, it opened up people's minds that there's other wrestling out there besides Monday Night Raw and SmackDown on Tuesday nights. And yes. I think that plays a huge role into it. And like you said, the, with the explosion, especially of New Japan World, and then when they started with uh, in 2015 with English commentary teams for major events, it put a whole new light on Kenny Omega and the, and the Bucks. And not, like besides their own wrestlers, like well, I, they are their own wrestlers, but besides <laughs> Japanese wrestlers like Okada and Tanahashi and Suzuki and such, they, they put such a light on North American wrestlers that made their name over there. Um, yeah. One, I have one question before we go. Yeah. Is this Vince McMahon's worst nightmare? Not that this show is going to rival his company or anything like this, but the fact that for, that it took the middleman, it took the corporate entity out of the process, this is proof that if done right, the wrestlers themselves can run and promote a show. That's got to be the worst thing in the world for him. Not necessarily this show, but it shows it can be done. You know, I would the, the only thing that I would say to that is that if you think about it, New Japan, Impact, and Ring of Honor, not, I'm going to back this up, but they're more corporate run and owned and operated than WWE is. I understand. Because, so, so. Sinclair Broadcasting. Right, Anthem and, you know, or whatever. Yeah, so, that said, I don't know. I don't know because this is going to sound terrible, but again, going back to like what Jennifer Decker said. What's going on. Yeah, he might not even be aware of this. Now, so, no, I look there's at one like person Triple that H. I... Yes, that's and, what I was going to say. See, he I, knows. He knows, but I think somebody like Triple H looks at this and sees long-term opportunity. Yes, he does. He doesn't look at this and say, oh my God, they're going to kill our business model or whatever. Triple H seems to be the kind of guy that's going to turn around and say, how can we get in on some of these? Yeah. Even if it's just sending some talent to some of these shows and things, because this is the cool hip brand thing to do. Right, right. It's, you know, and, and so I, I think overall it's a positive for the whole industry. I mean, anytime you can put 10,000 wrestling fans in an arena, all the better, no matter how they got there. I completely agree. All right, one, one, one last question for me for you. Right. Uh, so the event sells out in about half hour, 45 minutes. You've yeah. got this amazing roster of talent already announced. We know that there's going to be more talent to yes. come in. We know that this isn't all. I'm assuming we're going to get a lot of those quicker than we thought. I think that we're going to hold uh, on some yeah. of the names in case they had to sell tickets. Right. But anyway. So so now here's so here's here's the question. Yes. One talent that has not been announced. You can have anybody on the face of the planet, except obviously, you know. WWE contracted guy or something like that. You can have you can have anybody who you think is a realistic chance to come to the show. Who do you add to the show? Oh, man, now that is an interesting question. And um, so, <laughs> any any guy who's outside the WWE system, yeah. Who who do I think should be added to the show for popular, or just who would I personally want to see there? 
Uh, both. Why not? Yeah, we're Tetsu just and Naito. Okay. That'd be like if you were to say to me, you can book one more person for the show. I'd be torn because part of me would want to see Hiroshi Tanahashi wrestle. Yeah. Live. Yeah. Um, and but to me, if I could see one guy in the world wrestle, it'd be Tetsu and Naito. So I had the first name that popped into my head was Tanahashi. Um, yes. The. Then, then after that, and, and, and I admit that this is a little selfish because I've seen Naito, but oddly enough, I've seen the other guy I'm about to mention like 10 times. So, you know, we'll throw whatever that's worth. But I would, I, I, this is going to sound crazy to some people, especially because we're a New Japan podcast and they're going to be thinking you'd pick him over Naito. But I would want to see Matt Riddle on the card. Well, everybody's entitled to their opinion. You've also seen Naito. <laughs> I have seen Naito. Would I know, your opinion be different if you hadn't seen Naito before? I mean, it probably would be. It probably yeah. would be, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, me, I've also seen Suzuki, and I think yeah. Suzuki being there would be awesome. But I, but the reason why I want to say Matt Riddle is because I think Matt Riddle is, is probably the best guy not working in New Japan, Ring of Honor, you know, that's not me, working in any of those companies. He's the yeah. best guy there is. Let me and ask you this, then. I'd want him there. You, If I told you you could have Matt Riddle or Hiroshi Tanahashi on this oh. card, you'd say Matt Riddle? Oh. I don't think... Because here's the thing. In I, your I'm, life going forward, are you not going to get more opportunity to see Matt Riddle wrestle than you will Hiroshi Tanahashi? Yes. If you made me pick between Tanahashi and Matt Riddle, I would say Tanahashi. Well, then your answer is Tanahashi. <laughs> if, if, I'm saying, if, you're, if you're telling me if I could pick any one person to be Matt Riddle, and then I said, well, you have to pick between Matt Riddle and Tanahashi, and you say, well, Tanahashi, then then Tanahashi's your pick. Yeah. No, you're right. Tanahashi's okay. my pick. Tanahashi's my pick. I would just I would, say yeah. you, you have much more of an opportunity going forward to see Matt Riddle wrestle. Oh yeah, especially in a big city, living in a big city like Chicago. I can see him. I can see him see next it. Saturday if I want to. Actually, he's yes. going to be here, you know, with Evolve, uh, and I might go to the show if I can persuade my wife to let me after the baby shower. <laughs> you should go to the show, and you might be able to knock out Matt Riddle. Who knows? Tanahashi <laughs> might show up. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we don't know yet. That's very true. That's very true. Um, so, so anyway, uh, Paul, thanks for doing this. You know, we just we wanted to spur the yeah, moment. We wanted to do something. Moment. We had no plans to do this, and we've been. It was funny because we we were on watching like between Twitter and on the website watching the ticket sales, and I called Sam in Chicago. I'm like, "Oh my god, are you watching this?" And he's like, "Well, just instead of talking about it, let's let's record it." Yeah, because we were going to sit there for an hour and talk about it on the phone. We might as well record it and throw it out there. Right. So um, that being said, please continue the dialogue with us. We would love to hear your points of view and opinions, even if they're, you know, you disagree with us or, you know, you want to bitch about scalpers. You want to, you know, whatever the case might be, like, feel free. Like, we're, we're up and open for the dialogue. We really yeah, appreciate sure it. That, you, that we haven't thought about. There's going to be points. Yeah. And, and if you think we're wrong about something, call us out. Absolutely. I get called out all the time around my house. So why should <laughs> on the podcast be any different? <laughs> well, and I think, you know, even more over than that, like we like we just want to have that dialogue and we are so open to other points of view um, as long as it's informed. Like if you start talking about New Japan and then tell us that you don't watch New Japan, then I might have a problem. But yeah. as long as long as it's a fairly informed opinion, yeah, we, we are so open to different points of view if they differ from ours. And we would love to hear what a lot of people have to say about All In because we're excited. We're going to be there. We are all in. We're going to be at StarCast. We're going to have more announcements about StarCast coming up and this is shaping up to be a huge weekend for us oh oh i mean here's the thing like we've got this podcast and we're going to be doing stuff associated with the podcast but i got to be honest with you this is going to be like the most fun that i have 
all year other than the birth of my daughter. Like, yeah. and I don't know if that qualifies entirely as fun, depending on your point of view, but I'm jazzed for it. The um, last time <laughs> I came out to Chicago to see you, we went to two concerts and, and a Cubs game at Wrigley. Yeah. And I had a blast, right? That was two years ago. I'm looking forward more to this, to be honest with you. Yeah. And that I was seeing our favorite music, one of our favorite musicians and everything. And I'm just, I'm so looking forward to the four day of the podcast, the wrestling show and everything that's going to be going on in town around it. Yeah. This is like a vacation for me. Man, I, I don't know that I've ever looked forward to, you know, an event of this nature as much. I, I, I really don't think that I have. And, you know, and for what it's worth, like, I'm just going to be honest on the record here. I didn't buy tickets to Money in the Bank. I didn't buy tickets to NXT TakeOver. I didn't buy tickets to Evolve next week. I didn't buy tickets to Ring of Honor tonight. But I bought tickets to All In. And, and, and I think, you know, for me as a big wrestling fan who's seen... You know, every Ring of Honor event that's been here for the past two years, who's seen every AAW event basically for the past, like, you know, year and a half, uh, who, who's seen every Shimmer event for the past year, you know, who, who goes to professional wrestling as much as he can, uh, and especially when it's independent wrestling, I, I, you know, the Evolve events, etc. Like, I didn't buy tickets to the events that are coming up because, quite frankly, I was saving for the money that we're going to put into All In and StarCast. Yeah. And that's how important this is to us. And and so, you know, like I said, we're all in. We're going to be there. We look forward to talking with, you know, all of our listeners from now until then. And hopefully getting to see and meet some of you at All In and at StarCast. Hey, I, I just saw real quick a tweet. And this should put yeah. things in perspective about the the uh, scalpers. Uh, Meltzer tweeted, just for a comparison, SummerSlam, which sold uh, had 13,600 tickets, sold 4,400 on the secondary market. This is over 10,000 seats, and so far, there's only 149 on the secondary market. Yeah. So these tickets were not scrapped up by tons of scalpers. There, there's some, but these were wrestling fans. Wrestling fans like you, me, and everybody that's listening. So, you know, good on for, a good, good job for everybody involved. That's all I'm going to say about All In until next episode. Congratulations. All yeah, right. Good well, job, guys. Should we go home? Yeah. All right. We're going home. We'll talk to you guys later. All right, man. See ya.